Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for They're not into lots of people. Well, John was one of those guys. He was out in the wilderness. Locust things in his beard with honey all over it, whatever. People didn't want to be around him too much. And yet, his message was spirit-filled because look at verse 5. People went out from Jerusalem, Judea, and over the whole region of Jordan. What did they do? They confessed their sins. That's the goal of a prophet, to see the truth change people's lives. It's not just the truth. It's lives being changed. God loves people so much. He sees their despair, their lostness. Throughout time, he sent people to mankind to speak on his behalf, to tell them that there's a way out of their mess. Needless to say, prophets haven't been popular throughout history. They tend to get killed by the people they're reaching out to. Still, as Pastor Mark will be teaching today, God is using people and giving people this specific gift. You'll hear what qualities someone with the gift of the prophet will display and how God uses them. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Romans chapter 12 as he continues his series called Motivational Gifts. I'm not gifted to do all things well. That's why I need you. And that's why you need me. But then the real motivation of this is the New King James really, I think, says it best at the end. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. The whole goal is to use them. It's not to know about them. And the danger of coming to this kind of teaching is, wow, I know what gift I have. What are you going to do with it? Well, I know what gift I have. No, that's not it. We're supposed to use the gift. And again, that's my premise, that as we do this, good stuff is going to take place. Remember, we suffer because much of the church today are they're spectators. They come, they sit, and they go out and do their deal. But no, God wants us to be part of his work by knowing the gift and using the gift. Now, remember, as we do that, we're going to be held accountable for it. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 tells us how that works. You and I, as we're gifted, God's going to then say to us, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So I'm going to be a steward of my gifting. I am a steward. I need to use that. You need to use these grace gifts to minister to him. Now, what's the danger? Here's the danger. As you and I look at the gifts, we can get paralysis of analysis. As we finish going through all of these things, you go... 
Man, and we're going to give you the positive things and the negative things about the gift, and you'll have crampitis. But be careful, you walk out of this building, and tomorrow morning God opens a door of opportunity for you, and there's a need there. And you say, well, man, I learned I'm a prophet. I don't surf. I don't do stuff. I just say stuff. By the way, if you're around that person, do something, would you? Smack them upside the head. (laughs) So, see, next thing you want to write. Very important you write this. When God opens the door of opportunity, He wants us to minister. To minister to anyone, anywhere, at any time. Forget your analysis of your gift. Well, I think this gift needs a giver. (laughs) And I'm a teacher. No, just serve. All of us are servants. So really, as we go through these seven gifts, all of us will be a little of every one of those. You'll see that. I can't wait to get to the gift of teaching because that's huge in our homes with our children. Huge. So it's not just in a church. These gifts God uses all over the place. So let's begin to remember now we're going to try to discover the gifts, recognize, acknowledge, and use our gifts. So we begin. Most of us in Florida have sunglasses. And... If these sunglasses were, uh, I don't know who these are, but they came from the lost and found. If they're yours, you can pick them up. After. I didn't steal them. They came from the lost and found. Probably they're with your Bible that you've forgotten for, that's a prophet speaking. It's a prophet speaking. If these are brown, what does the hues look like out there? They look brown. What if they're yellow? Well, they're kind of yellow. If they're blue, they're... So whatever kind of glass you put on... You kind of see things that way. Here's the problem. If I'm a prophet, I really see the world as a prophet. I don't see it like you look at it because I'm not wired like you. If I'm a teacher, if I'm a giver, if I'm a person with compassion. So that's going to explain some things to you. As we go through all of this and you begin to look at these verses and go... Wow! By the way, you need to write this down. Your gift colors all you see, how you see the world. So, as we go through this, there's going to be some of these. Aha! You you finally see yourself. Or maybe like this. Wow! Now I know why my wife is like that. Or my husband's like that. I heard someone teaching this uh, a while ago, and I thought it was a great thing. They said this, in a marriage, if you have the gift of giving, prayerfully, you married somebody that has the gift of getting. (laughs) Make sense? And as we look at this combination, oh, boy, it's just going to open you up, and you're going to get this credible understanding of how God did it. Now, what if I designed the body of Christ? What if I designed, with my giftings, if I designed the body of Christ, what in the world would it look like? Aren't you glad you and I didn't design the body of Christ? We'd look so weird, and it would be so weird. God did. Now, let's talk about the first gift, the gift of prophecy. What is the gift of prophecy all about? Two things. It's declaring truth. A call to righteousness. In the Old Testament specifically, a prophet was God's mouthpiece. 
whether it was a man or a woman. They spoke for God. They gave forth his message. This gift, more in the Old Testament than the New Testament, had to do with foretelling or predicting what was going to take place. Now we have a lot of that. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, end time things, all kinds of things were very predictive, foretelling this prophet. But also with that gift in the Old Testament, they didn't just foretell the prophet, but there was foretelling. They were giving truth. Come back to God. Quit sinning. Israel, come on back. Now when you move to the New Testament, and you move to the gift of prophecy, Basically, there is a little bit of this foretelling, not too much, Agabus, some people like that we saw through, of course, John would do some of that in the book of Revelation, but most of it is simply foretelling. It's simply declaring God's truth, and didn't matter who was there, doesn't matter what the environment was. The prophet just says, I'm going to bring you comfort. I'm going to bring you warning. I'm going to bring you guidance. And it's truth from God. If you're a prophet and that's one of your major things, let's see if this sounds like you. I am candid and open in expressing what I think and feel. I'm a bold person. I always speak the truth, even at the risk of confronting my superiors. I always speak the truth, even if it causes pain and hurts feelings. If those start ringing with you, then probably you have this a good mix of a prophet. Biblical examples are all over the place. Old Testament, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Jonah, Deborah. As a judge, we'll read a little about her in a moment. The New Testament, John the Baptist. Peter's another great one. You can just go through some passages and look at Peter. And of course, Jesus fits that role as well. What are the characteristics of the gift of prophecy? And again, don't try to write all these. If you want to write a couple of maybe your own little note as you look at them, that's fine. But let's just talk about these for a moment. What does a prophet have? Well, inside them, they just have to express what they're thinking and you have to hear it. They can't hold it. They got to say it. Now quit laughing and poking your spouse. We don't need any more marriage counseling. We got plenty on the docket already. But you can begin to picture these kind of individuals. Why would I say Peter had the gift of a prophet? Anytime you say, if you look at a passage of scripture, who's going to speak first? Pete. He's just going to speak. He'll give it to you. Of course, we'll see in a moment, John the Baptist, the same thing. Second one. A prophet sees things... Only black and white. There's no gray. There's absolutely no gray. It's either this way or it's no other way. Kind of, if you remember the old days, a prophet is the Ralph Nader of Christianity. That's the way it is. Persuasive, open, ready to go, share it. With that desire to speak, that just have to speak comes number three they're fairly outspoken and frank they're the people that are the defenders of biblical truth now you're going to see as you go through that how important is that in this day and age how important is that huge that's why when they see the da vinci code 
it just goes right up because they know it's all it's a novel and it's all kind of stuff rolled into one portrayed by the enemy as truth but it's not truth at all that's why we did a series remember conversations with god i mean hugely popular book totally ungodly we renamed it conversations with satan because that's really what it is and so these individuals have difficulty. In the Old Testament, you can just look up, if you like, Judges chapter 4. Deborah was this prophetess. And she sat down and she was kind of a judge. She communicated the will of God. People would come and she would say, thus saith the Lord. This is how it is. So she was a wonderful prophetess in the Old Testament. She just simply listened to both sides and worked it. Now, many people equate a prophet with the eye of the body, the perceiver of truth. In other words, these are the people that are always looking and they're trying to detect, whoop, that isn't true. Let's speak out about it. They're always looking because they know that Satan is the father of lies. And only the truth can set you free. So they understand that and they're passionate about it. So if indeed they are the perceivers gifted with this, this passage in Matthew speaks to their heart greatly. Matthew chapter 6, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of life. Now that speaks to us specifically, but think about what that means. Think about many of the Protestant denominations today in our country. Because the individual standing here in the pulpit isn't speaking truth. Notice what this statement says. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of life. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You can just write some denominations right over that. By the way, you can write in large Europe over that. What has happened to Europe? They're ungodly. How did it get that way? Because truth stopped being proclaimed. Think if Martin Luther, who was given truth, a perceiver, had not been a man with the gift of a prophet. What if he was a man that was focused in the gift of grace and mercy? Probably never would have spoken out. But he spoke out, and because of that, truth came. And of course, that brings us number four, Number five. Number four, a prophet is committed to whatever they do. They're going for it because people's lives are on the line. They're simply going for it. Now, turn with me to Matthew chapter three. We'll go through this a little bit, and I think it will help you see this in the man called John the Baptist. Any of you see yourself as a prophet so far? You see some of that happening? Okay. It's interesting because some commentators really believe that prophets don't have many friends. If you're a prophet and you are alone and you put your hand up, you're probably really a prophet. There's nobody next to you. Now, number five, once proof of real repentance. 
In other words, they're looking for fruit. John the Baptist was a man who was a prophet. John the Baptist, you'll see in a moment, if you look down in chapter 3, down at verse 8, John the Baptist says to the Pharisees, where's your fruit? You claim that you're speaking truth. Where's the fruit? There isn't any fruit. And so he just, he just challenges them right on the spot. Truth. You see, John the Baptist knew that bad fruit comes from bad root. Something isn't right in a person's life if there's no fruit. So a person that's a prophet isn't just talking about truth. They're very interested in the people they're speaking to getting the message and it changes their life. Most pastors have somewhat a gift of a prophet. Because, well, Paul said it kind of like this. Timothy, preach the word. Not a word, the word. Preach it. Instant, in season, honesty, just preach it. Now you would hope that most pastors who have a gift of prophet have a few other gifts in there as well. Like this, without it. God says, if you're not saved tonight, you're going to hell. <laughs> Anybody want to accept them? No, get out. <laughs> See, that's pure prophet. If a prophet's witnessing to somebody and the person says, well, what if I don't believe the word of God's true? What are you, an idiot? Get away from me. God's word's all true. So hopefully I have more than just the gift of a prophet. But what if a pastor doesn't have the gift of a prophet at all? Or he allows that gift not to be used. And he just says, well, man, I got a building coming up. I got a new parking lot. Man, we can't lose that giver. Can't say that in church. And Whoa. See the difference? And so there needs to be this balance in all of our lives. Number six, very persuasive in defining truth. They're not only for truth, but if they see compromise coming, wow, they're going to speak about it. That's good. How did Europe fall? Like this? No. How do all of us backslide? That's the way it works. And so... It's good to have prophets around because they see things kind of declining slowly. Go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We've moved away from this. John did this a lot in the book of Revelation. You left your first love. He had to speak it. A lot of good stuff. So he had a good mixture, but he had to speak it. Well, let me stop here and tell you about this. With all of the gifts that we're going to look at, all seven... If we don't operate them in the spirit, but we operate them in the flesh, disaster's coming. And we can all do that. In fact, let me rephrase that. We all do do that. Sometimes I don't use my gift in the spirit. I use it in the flesh. So if we do that, there's disaster coming. So notice this prophet is usually open to correction because... They not only want your life to be right, they want their life to be right. But if they're in the flesh and not the spirit, they're not open to correction. In other words, let me give you an example. When we get down to it in a moment, let's say I am too harsh 
and somebody says, man, you just sliced me. I mean, what you said was true, but couldn't you said it another way? A prophet who's in the spirit is going to say this, man, you're right. I'm so sorry. That was not my intention. I saw the danger, man, I had to tell you. I had to tell you, but I sure could have said it another way. That's operating in the spirit. And so they're open to somebody even saying gently back to them, whoa, what was that? So don't get this picture. I'm a prophet and no one's going to say anything to me. (laughs) Remember, we're all to be teachable. And John the Baptist, by the way, remember, he was in prison. He got confused and he sent some of his boys to say to Jesus, "Uh, was I right? Are you the Messiah or aren't you? So he was open. Of course, Jesus went back and said, well, look what I'm doing. We just studied that. All the things I'm doing, he was corrected. Number eight, willing to suffer for what's right. A true prophet, they lay it on the line. You need those kind of people. They're not men-pleasers. They're God-pleasers. And last, very often these people are into intercession. Their prayers. They're so concerned, not only do they speak to man, but they speak to God. So you'll see them having a heart for stuff just not going right. In Matthew chapter 3 that I went to, let's take a look and read just these nine verses and see if you can see some of those things we just talked about with John the Baptist, those traits that we talked about. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is near. Did John have to say that? Oh, he just had to say it. Because he was set apart before he was born with these giftings. So he does that. He had to express it. It's black and white. It's not repent if you like to. It's repent. And this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, voice of one calling the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Clarify it. No compromise right there. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. Remember sometimes this prophet, because there's such going for it, they're not into lots of people. Well, John was one of those guys. He was out in the wilderness. Locust things in his beard with honey all over it, whatever. People didn't want to be around him too much. And yet... His message was spirit-filled because look at verse 5. People went out from Jerusalem and Judea and over the whole region of Jordan. What did they do? They confessed their sins. That's the goal of a prophet, to see the truth change people's lives. It's not just the truth. It's lives being changed. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Notice verse 7. Here we go. This prophet is outspoken. Biblical truth. Wants to proof of real repentance. Going to give it to you. Look at verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptized, he said to them, you brood of vipers. Now that's pretty frank, isn't it? Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Now you guys produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. In other words, you think you're in heaven because you're related to Abraham? Get real. Get real, get right, is really what he's trying to say. So, by the way, did John the Baptist suffer for doing what was right? Kill for it. Today, Pastor Mark talked about the limitations on the leadership in the church. You learned that God didn't intend for the church to be a one-man show. 
everybody has a place in the functioning of the church. You found out that two of the big problems in the church are people who don't know what their gifts are and people who know their gifts but don't use them. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will be wrapping up part four of his series, Motivational Gifts. You'll find him talking more about the gift of prophecy and the personality traits of someone with this gift. Pastor Mark will be giving you advice on the best ways to use this gift if you have it. You'll also learn the dangers of misusing this gift and how this can harm others. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Here